Hello and welcome to Sapphic World, the podcast. This is episode 25. The week is, mm, or rather the month is March uh, since we were gone all month uh, as we now enter April. Uh, But anyway, I'm your host, Dee Perkins. This episode is sponsored by Dyke, a gender fluid fashion forward clothing accessory and lifestyle brand. Visit them at dressdyke.com to shop their current Love is Love collection. Follow them on Instagram and Twitter at dressdyke. And members of sapphic.world get discounts on all dressdyke.com purchases. You can become a member of Sapphic World at sapphic.world. That's the web address, sapphic.world. It's free to join. Thank you, Dyke. And remember, you don't have to be a dyke to dress dyke. Visit dressdyke.com today. This week's episode is a great one. Uh, Since we've been gone all month, um, but for good reason, my usual raw rundown of current events will consist only of the most important headline-worthy stories, in my opinion. Then we have uh, vocal artist Jade the Ivy on the show, whose music we will sprinkle throughout the episode. Um, With Jade uh, the Ivy, we talk music, love, and life pre- and post-COVID. But before I jump into the episode, I want to fill you in on why we've been MIA for the past month. Uh, If you don't already know, I am a professional boxer and I had my professional boxing debut uh, this last weekend on uh, the 27th of March down in Mexico. Uh, If you're interested in seeing the full bout, it is available on my management's uh, YouTube channel and that's uh, Bout It Boxing. And wherever you um, catch the podcast, we'll also have the link in the episode's description to the full fight. So, um, you know, if you're a boxing fan or a fan of me or you just want to see because you love me, because you hate me, whatever the reason, uh, you can check it out there. Um, And, you know, if you are a fan, uh, you know, boxing fan or, you know, fight fan or fight of me or the show or whatever, um, you can connect uh, with me more directly um, by following uh, me on Instagram and Twitter at DP Mogul. And um, for you boxing fans, um, you might also enjoy following at Bout It Boxing uh, for fight news and uh, the fight journey of not just myself, but uh, other fighters as well. Okay, now that we've gotten all of that out of the way, episode 25. We are starting off by checking the pedigree of this episode's featured guest, Jade the Ivy. Boom. Yo, I'm saving all my money I'm careful what I 
spend I just pay my bills, I just pay my rent But rent and getting old, man, I'm trying to own shit I'm talking guns over butter, talking about investments So you talking about spending, I'm talking profit If you ain't betting on yourself, then I bet you not shit Man, worry about yourself, man, quit counting pockets You got the crawl for your walk from jets to rockets And fuck these designers that don't like niggas The blackface collection, the blackface pendant I don't support them, man, my tailor independent Yo, everything is custom and everything is different And y'all look the same, yo, tell me what's the goal I never rock ice, my weight is in gold It's deals on the table, but never sell your soul And never follow niggas that can't tell me where to go Hold up Yo, I done came a long way I used to live with granny, now I live off the lake I'm hopping on the metro, I pray I'm not late Think of everything I lost and I post to my mistakes When shit get tight, stretch it out, namaste They watching all my moves, hit them with the pump fake Yo, I be in the kitchen, slaving all day My body going numb, I'm barely getting paid And you collect the dollar, then throw me all the change It's hand over fist, I studied all your ways See y'all done fucked up, things are never be the same And I done leveled up, nigga, you can keep the change They ask me what my name, I respond Jade Sweeney tied with the shits, you could catch a fade Yo, I be trying to prosper, I hope you do the same If you go against me, bitch, I cut against the grain So popping off uh, politics here real quick. Um, so Trump has been uh, relatively quiet since leaving the White House, um, as he probably should be. But, um, you know, we're still feeling, you know, some of the effects of his presidency. Fortunately, though, for us, the Biden-Harris administration has been working fervently to undo some of Trump's bigotry and uh, to get the Equality Act passed, which, you know, Biden promised to do within his first 100 days in office. Uh, if you aren't familiar, the Equality Act is, uh, quote, the landmark bill that would ban discrimination against LGBTQ people under federal law in housing, employment, public accommodations, and other areas, end quote. Um, in its first 50 days, which uh, was marked on uh, officially on March 11th, the Biden-Harris administration delivered unto us 24 pro-LGBTQ you know, initiatives or actions. Um, and by, by delivered unto us, I mean they have delivered 24 pro-LGBTQ initiatives up to day 50, which was marked on March 11th. They didn't do all this on March 11th, just to be clear. Um, and then GLAD um, recently, if, if GLAD is a um, LGBTQ, you know, like rights, advocacy organization that you know advocates on behalf of the you know equal rights um and celebrations of lgbtq persons uh so anyway though glad they launched a um beat b-e-a-t which is uh stands for biden equality accountability tracker they they launched that on march 11th the 50 day the 50th day of the biden harris administration um and that's when they determined that 24 actions were taken uh, from the White House 
by you know adding them all up from um from that beat and you can you can follow that tracker that beat tracker um the Biden equality accountability tracker uh by connecting with glad on um you know their social media or through their website uh if you want to keep up with that um but in a statement uh the glad president and ceo sarah kate ellis said quote glad's Biden equality accountability tracker is an ongoing resource tool to track how well the biden administration is keeping to its word to make progress for the LGBTQ community. The more than 24 pro-equality moves uh, in just the first 50 days are in stark contrast to the 181 plus negative policies and rhetoric deployed against LGBTQ Americans by the previous administration, end quote. And um, just to bring up to speed on, you know, what's happening with the Equality Act and where we're at with that, um, so last month in uh, February, the House Democrats passed uh, the bill to move it, you know, forward to the Senate. However, um, you know, that was obviously with like almost no Republican support. Um, but, you know, once it goes to the Senate, it's going to have an even harder battle and even more uphill battle because in the Senate, Democrats only hold 50 seats. And under the current rules, 60 votes are needed to move forward on the bill, which means 10 Republicans will have to cross over and support it. Um, You know, I don't don't want to say that's not possible. It's not likely, but you know, that, you know, that in the current climate that we're in, that is a lot of People who presumably, you know, are against it, um, but, you know, like assuming all 50 Democrats vote on it, which, you know, I hope they will. But, you know, let's let's say even just one doesn't. Now that moves us from needing 10 Republican votes to needing 11 Republican votes. And, um, you know, so that's that's where that is at right now. Um, So. You know, as as I just mentioned, the the Equality Act is facing an uphill battle with needing Republicans of the Senate to, um, you know, kind of be on board with this, like at least 10 of them. Uh, And that's given the 50 Democrats of the Senate vote for it, uh, which I guess is looking likely that they will. However, though, on March 17th, right, the same day uh, that Republicans spent, you know, three hours arguing that the landmark LGBTQ uh, civil rights bill, the Equality Act, would hurt women if passed, House Republicans voted against two major pieces of women's rights legislation, the Equal Rights Amendment, which is also known as the ERA, and the Violence Against Women Act, also known as the VAWA. So uh, on the 17th, the Republicans voted against the Violence Against Women's Act and the Equal Rights Amendment on the same day they said that LGBTQ equality would destroy women's rights and complained that women's rights were not being seen as important as LGBTQ rights. Like what? Okay, so first of all, women make are included in the category of LGBTQ. So we can't like separate that. You know, I'm not saying all women fall into the category of LGBTQ, but but to act like they are Two completely separate groups of people is one mind boggling um, to say that 
the the Equality Act would destroy women's rights. You know, like what? And then that they're not as important as LGBTQ rights. Like lesbian is the first letter in LGBTQ, which is a woman. Women are lesbians. Okay, so the talking about women's rights aren't seen as important as lesbian rights. It sounds crazy. Okay. Secondly, um, just the fact that you say that it would destroy women's rights while in the same breath voting against protecting women against violence and to allow them to have equal rights. Like, you are the problem, not the Equality Act. You, you Republicans who voted against this while at the same time saying it would hurt women. No, you hurt women. You are the problem. So and let me break this down like a little, just a little further. Okay. So like I said, on March 17th, the House voted to reauthorize the Violence Against Women Act. Um, which is basically a bill that increases the criminal justice response to intimate partner violence and violence against women and provides funding resources for victims. The bill included an amendment that would create the first grant program specifically intended to support LGBTQ victims of domestic violence, sexual assault, and stalking. The reauthorization passed 244 votes to 172 votes. All of the 172 Congress members who voted against it were Republicans. Although 29 Republicans joined Democrats in supporting the bill. I don't know, that's a little confusing, right? And so anyway, on that same day, uh, the Senate... Republicans, they spent three hours arguing that the landmark LGBTQ civil rights bill, the Equality Act, would hurt women if passed. Yes, right after voting against protecting women. So their argument for not supporting the Equality Act is that it would hurt women if it was passed. While they, in the same breath, voted against two major pieces of women's rights legislation. Not only the Violence Against Women Act, but also the Equality Rights Amendment. I'm so confused. How? Like, you are the problem, okay? You are the problem, not the Equality Act. You are the problem. You cannot say that... Like, this is their complaint is that... LGBTQ equality would destroy women's rights. And then they further complained that women's rights were not being seen as important as LGBTQ rights. Okay, now let's say that is your argument. The moment you had the chance to prove that that's how you truly feel was to support an act that is for violence against women. Or to support an equal rights amendment. Which you did neither of which. So I don't want to hear... That the Equality Act hurts women because you hurt women, Republicans. You Senate Republicans, you hurt women. You are the problem, not the Equality Act. And I do hope that Susan Collins uh, will set her spite aside and do the right thing 
and lead the way for hopefully other fellow Republicans to follow in her uh, path of the most light. Anyway, but moving on to uh, Missouri. So apparently Missouri is having a, a very hard time accepting what the 2015 Supreme Court ruling in Obergefell versus Hodges um, meant, which basically legalized same-sex marriage. Legalized. Wow. Like love is a crime. It's just so weird to have to use the word legalized for something like marriage and love. Um, anyway, so apparently it's it's common practice for the GOP-led Missouri House of Representatives to remove defunct passages in Missouri law. However, when Democratic State Rep Tracy McCreary uh, moved to add an amendment that would remove Missouri Statute 451.022, which states, quote, any purported marriage not between a man and a woman is invalid, end quote. The statute uh, also banned uh, the issuance of same-sex marriage certificates. Fortunately, uh, the statute and the marriage bans were both deemed invalid as a result of the Obergefell v. Hodges uh, court ruling, the Supreme Court ruling, 2015, right? So what's that, like six years ago? However, uh, Republican Representative Dan Shaw Shaw, um, claimed that the amendment was quote, violation of procedure, end quote. Like, whatever, man. Look, take it off the books. If the law is no longer valid or enforceable, take it off the books, especially if this is common practice. Like, why now for this law is it, like, a violation of procedure? Like, get out of here. (sighs) Um, Moving on. This is kind of political. I'm leaving this in in politics, even though I guess it could kind of go in entertainment, which we will probably mention it again when we speak on some entertainment news. But um, in the U.S., March 24th is Equal Pay Day. And that basically represents how much more the average woman has to work just to earn the same, uh, you know, salary, you know, as the average man. And shining a big, much needed light, uh, or should I say still shining a much needed light, um, on the issue is out soccer star Megan Rapino. Um, who recently testified uh, to Congress about gender pay inequality, uh, which she stresses even, you know, world famous athletes such as herself uh, face. Here's a here's a here's a quick soundbite from that um, congressional testimony. Thank you, everyone, for having me here today. It is an honor to be here in front of you. Um, It's probably no surprise, but equal pay and equality in general is a deep and personal passion of mine. The United States women's national team has won four World Cup championships. We've won four Olympic gold medals on behalf of this great country. We've filled stadiums. We've broken viewing records. We've sold out our jerseys, all the popular metrics by which we are judged. And yet, despite all of this, we're still paid less than our male counterparts. And I feel like, honestly, we've done everything. You want stadiums filled, we fill them. You want uh, role models for your kids, for your boys and your girls uh, and your little trans kids, we have that. You want us to uh, be respectful. You want us to perform on the world stage. You want us to take the stars and stripes and the red, white, and blue across the entire globe and represent America in the best way possible. Uh, We've done all of that. I'm sure you've seen the stories about the appalling disparities between the women's and men's training facilities at the 
NCAA basketball tournament. Uh, what kind of message do you think this unequal treatment sends to these college athletes? It's just absolutely unacceptable. You just simply have to do better. And I'll say, I mean, even the, the new weight room um, that the women's team has is still unacceptable. It's, it's not to the standard needed to perform at that level, and it's certainly not to the standard of equal that the men have. So as you hear, it's it's a real problem. You know, I mean, like despite the success of four women's World Cup victories, four Olympic gold medals, filling stadiums, selling out arenas, you know, selling out uh, attire, uh, sportswear, and, you know, all the other little, you know, ancillary products that are derived from sports uh, organizations, you know, despite doing all of that, they still earn significantly less than their male counterparts. And, you know, before the argument used to be, oh, oh people aren't tuning in to, to, to women's sports or people aren't spending money with women's sports. And we're seeing that that's just not true. It's just not true. Um, and, and in fact, in 2016, five women soccer players filed a complaint with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, the EEOC. And in 2019, all 28 members of the U.S. team filed a lawsuit against uh, the U.S. Soccer uh, Federation of Gender Discrimination. And, um, you know, that, the, you know, and, uh, you know, they continuously lobbied against their efforts and, you know, by them, I mean like the soccer federation lobbied against you know the the um the women athletes um you know efforts to to get equal pay to to shine light on this and and uh you know as far as I know it was like dismissed and there wasn't much that came of of it and you know that's that's sad as well um but you know as an athlete as a woman uh I, you know I do hope you know things um get better in that in that regard you know I just it would be good to see to see that and um you know it's just not true anymore you can't say that people aren't interested in, in women's sports it's just you can't you just can't anymore it's just not you know there are uh, a few other things i wanted to hit on but i'm not going to elaborate as much as i originally thought on them but um just to uh, kind of recap and again i'm going to put all this on the website so definitely check us out sapphic.world to get um all these stories in more uh detail but so on the 9th of march um the human rights watch organization reports that uh panama's national assembly passed a bill on the 3rd of march that includes a discriminatory prohibition on adoption by same-sex couples uh, bill number 120, which aims to protect children and adolescents from unnecessary separation from their biological families, um, allows for adoption by both single persons and married couples. However, not only are same-sex marriages not yet legal in Panama, but the bill defines eligible married couples as those composed of partners of different sex. I, you know... um, Uh, 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 one of the LGBT rights uh, researcher over at the Human Rights um, Organization, Human Rights Watch Organization, made a great point. Um, uh, Christian Gonzalez Cabrera um, mentions that, ex quote, 
excluding same-sex couples as adoptive parents is not only stigmatizing, but in Panama compounds the violation of not having their relationships acknowledged or protected in the first place. Categorically barring children from being adopted into loving and supportive families is also inconsistent with the principle of the best interest of the child, end quote. Um, so after passing the National Assembly, the bill is now ready for signature by the president of Panama, uh, President Cortizo, um, who has left, uh, who has the legal authority to uh, veto all or part of it. Um, many of Panama's regional neighbors, including Mexico, Mexico, uh, Colombia, Brazil, Argentina, and uh, Uruguay, um, allow adoption for same-sex couples. Even, you know, I was even surprised to hear some of those on the list um, and but I think that's great. And the proposed law would put Panama out of step with the advances in the region. You know, they would kind of be like, you know, the black sheep of the family by being so against this when all of everybody else is kind of on board. And, you know, whether they don't personally agree or, or, or not with it is one thing, but they obviously all agree that the people have the right to adopt, you know, Um and the funny thing, too, is that recently the, the, the Panamanian government released a statement on the rights of LGBTQ people um, in response to acts of discrimination during the gender-based quarantine. Um, and, you know, five government ministries and the uh, ombudsperson's office issued a statement that said, quote, the national government rejects any type of homophobia, transphobia, or discrimination, end quote. Yeah, and that statement was basically cited uh, the country's international obligations from high-level officials showed um, showing a political commitment to the principles of equality and non-discrimination. Panama should act on those obligations and recognize and implement measures of protection for same-sex couples that would also allow same-sex couples to adopt on an equal basis as different sex couples. So the hypocrisy there is confusing, um, but we'll see what happens with that. Um it kind of, you know, is in step with um, over in Grand Rapids, Michigan, you know, as you see, this is a a, a, a global issue like LGBTQ rights. Um, anyway, so in Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, Bethany Christian Services uh, announced uh, on uh, about March 13th or so that it would begin to help LGBTQ parents nationwide adopt children um which is like a major policy reversal for the adoption agency, which is a global adoption agency. Um, and while, you know, on the service, that sounds great. Like, oh, they have a change of heart. Their, you know, their minds are opening and, and all this. Um, but, you know, some from the, um, from the area's LGBTQ community have met the news with caution and skepticism based on the organization's long-standing policy to not support adoption through LGBTQ parents. Um, You know, I mean, in Michigan, Bethany Christian opened adoptions for LGBTQ parents two years ago, um, which was part of a settlement agreement with the state. So at that time, you know, just two years ago, the organization officials said that they were, quote, disappointed in the agreement. But that they would abide by it. And this recent move kind of applies, um, not kind of, but this recent move applies to their operations, you know, nationwide. And despite... Their recent policy change uh, out on the lakeshore, uh, LGBTQ, LGBTQ uh, community group, 
um, remains hesitant to partner with the organization uh, because they want to wait and see how committed it is to the LGBTQ community. Um, so this is more hypocrisy. You know, I mean, they ch- actually have changed their policy, but for you to for so long be against this and then just two years ago change your policy only based on a, a settlement agreement through a lawsuit, um, just, you know, has people side-eyeing it, you know, I mean how how on board of this with you how how much support are you going to offer these families and will they have an equal process you know as heterosexual com- couples while they go through this um so i don't know that that's um we all got to wait to see what happens with that um so um anyway recently um I, this was at the end of february but since i didn't have an episode i want to uh, mention it now um uh, an lgbtq uh, I plus community in Ghana, a community center was recently opened in Ghana and it was also recently shut down after it was raided by security forces. Uh, and, and, um, you know, shortly after it opened, um, Alex Kofi Doncor, who heads the uh, center named LGBTQ plus rights Ghana in the country's capital, Accra. Um, he told CNN that, um, he's not concerned for his safety after the raid uh, you know, he, he had to go offline and he kind of like was in hiding a little bit after this. And, um, the community center, which opened in January on January 31, um, in a ceremony attended by a delegation of the European union and other foreign amba- uh, embassies faced opposition from the start and, uh, attracted a lot of anger among locals who called for it to be closed down. Uh, that's per CNN's, uh, reporting, um, you know, being in a same-sex relationship in Ghana can attract between three to twenty-five years in prison, and that's according to its country's penal code. Three to twenty-five years in prison for loving somebody—like, wow. Um, but what was great to see, though, uh, also were um, several black celebrities uh, urging Ghana's president Nana Aku Addo uh, to work with LGBTQ community leaders after security forces raided and shut down the center. Um, some of those celebrities are actor uh, Idris Elba and Michaela Coel and um, and supermodel Naomi Campbell. And they've, you know, they've all joined forces with other influential names in fashion, film and media uh, to express their solidarity with the LGBTQ, quote, family in an open letter tagged Ghana supports equality. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm happy that they are getting on board with that. I'm sad that this happened in Ghana, but it, it's also great just to see that headways being made on uh, no matter how small um, the steps are, you know, but obviously the people around the world are taking note and seeing this. And so, um, you know, change is coming, change is coming. And uh, and to wrap up news with some, I don't know, like, I don't say positive, but just at least just like some not not so bad news. Um, uh, 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 um, according to a new report that was released by the U.S. Census Bureau, uh, sh- shows that metro areas with the highest concentration of gay and lesbian coupled households uh, in the U.S. may be surprising. So the, the, the top is San Francisco, not so much of a surprise, but then after that is Portland at number two and Seattle at number three. I guess those might be a little surprising. Um, then we have um, Orlando at four, Austin, Texas coming in at uh, five, Miami, Florida at uh, six. You'd think that'd be a little higher on the list. Um, but then at seven is Boston, Massachusetts, eight, Baltimore, Maryland, nine, Denver, Colorado, and 10, 
uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, noticeably absent were three of the nation's largest metros, New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago. Um, and even though they have some of the nation's most visible LGBTQ communities, um, the vastness of their metro areas uh, the, dilutes the, the concentration. So, um, yeah, you know, in the, in, the, in the report, basically it was highest concentrations. So, um, yeah, so if you're looking to relocate somewhere, maybe one of those 10 cities might be a place for you. And so moving on to some entertainment news. Um, so Wanda Sykes will be starring alongside Mike Epps and Kim Fields in a soon-to-be-released Netflix series called The Upshaws. Sykes plays a sister-in-law to Epps in a show about a middle-class black family in Indianapolis. Um, walks, uh, I'm sorry, Wanda Sykes co-created the show and she also served as a showrunner. Uh, speaking of Wanda Sykes, she recently celebrated her 57th birthday on the 7th of March. Happy birthday, Wanda. Um, so some fun facts about Wanda. Wanda came out uh, as gay to her parents at the age of 40. I'm not sure if that's um, when she came out in general or just to her parents, but um, representation matters. Visibility matters. Um, so we are happy that Wanda is living out and proud now. Um, and to celebrate here a little more, here here's a, a quick recap of her career and some accomplishments. Um, Wanda became a stand-up comedian in 1990. In 1987, uh, when she made a hard pivot from uh, working at the uh, NSA, the National Security uh, Agency. And, and then in 1995, she opened uh, for Chris Rock and later joined his HBO series, The Chris Rock Show, as a writer and a performer. Uh, she was nominated for three Primetime Emmy Awards and won one for Outstanding Writer, uh, Outstanding Writing for a Variety Music or Comedy Special in 1999. In 2010, she uh, was honored with a GLAAD Award for Promoting Equal Rights for gay and lesbians. Um, she's also done more. She's, uh, she's married and she lives a very, um, out open life with her wife, Alex. Um, and yeah. So anyway, just a quick celebration for Wanda. Look out for the new show on Netflix coming out soon. It looks like it will be very hilarious and, um, yeah, we love Wanda. Uh, let's see. So moving on, um, oh, Demi Lovato. So, She's definitely embracing all of her queerness, and she is like, like. I mean, you might as well basically just call her a lesbian if if she will go for it. But she's saying that she doesn't really want to be with anyone of the opposite sex ever again. Uh, in a recent interview with Glamour for their March cover story, the twenty eight year old uh, pop songstress revealed that her very public breakup with actor Max, uh, uh, Eric, 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 Eric. Eric uh, felt like a sign for her to finally explore more about her sexuality and to start living her truth. Uh, she says, quote, when I started getting older, I started realizing how queer I really am. This past year, I was engaged to a man. And when it didn't work, I was like, this is a huge sign. I thought I was going to be I thought I was going to spend my life with someone. Um, now that I wasn't going to, I felt this sense of relief that I could live my truth. I hooked up with a girl and was like, I like this a lot more. It felt better. It felt right. Some of the guys I was hanging out with, uh, when it would come time to be sexual or intimate, I would have this kind of visceral reaction. Like, I just don't want to put my mouth there. <laughs> um, 
It wasn't even based on the person it was with. Uh, I just found myself really appreciating the friendships of those people more than the romance. And I didn't want the romance from anybody of the opposite sex. End quote. Um, So Demi Lovato came out as dating both men and women back in 2017 in her Simply Complicated YouTube documentary. um, Where she had to address rumors surrounding her sexuality after she was spotted holding hands with uh, Lauren Abedini. uh, Who is an open open lesbian uh, musician. Um, so I guess now there are no more, we don't have to question anymore. She is basically letting us know she is queer in all of its glory. And I think we can probably expect to see her with, uh, women in the near future, if that's how they identify or whatnot. Um, anyway, moving on. So Haley Kiyoko, who, um, has been dubbed lesbian Jesus by her fans, uh, released a gender neutral fragrance called Hue. Uh, you know, she describes how... The fragrance is always like an armor for her and that she hopes that it can be the same for um, other people. Um, so going back into sports, as so I, earlier I was mentioning about um, Megan Rapinoe um, testifying, you know, again, in front of Congress uh, regarding equal pay for women in sports. Um, and recently her fiance, Sue Bird, um, has, who is um basketball star for the uh, Seattle Storm recently teamed up with fellow females to launch together in response to the extremely low coverage of women's sports. So not only is pay bad, but like, like women's sports doesn't get the media coverage it deserves and needs to continue to, to be a global force. Um, so basically Sue Bird, um, who's also fiance, like I said, to soccer star Megan Rapinoe, um, has been a basketball star her entire life. She's a professional basketball player in the WNBA for the Seattle Storm, where she has won four championships, 11 all-star appearances, racked up more assists than anyone in the league's history, and has four Olympic gold medals. However, over the three decades that Bird has achieved all of this, the media landscape for women's sports coverage has remained relatively low, with only 4% of sports media coverage devoted to women's sports. That's entirely low, 4%. Anyway, so um, Bird teamed up with uh, U.S. Women's National Soccer Team um, star Alex Morgan, snowboarding prodigy Chloe Kim, and uh, trailblazing swimmer Simone Manuel to create basically their own media company focused on women. Each of them, like Bird, is an Olympic gold medalist and a leader in their um, respective sport. Um, I do hope, you know, combat sports for women, I think also probably gets the brunt of a lot of this because I've noticed a lot of women's organizations, like there's just women's sports, you know, you can follow them on Instagram and, um, you know, like some other pages and, you know, things that are devoted to women's sports and they usually don't talk about combat sports unless it's a page devoted specifically to combat sports and then it has to be devoted to women's combat sports. So I do hope that some of these um, women-based sports organizations and media companies that are popping up do include um, combat sports in there as well. Um, but uh, Sue Bird, she says, um, quote, it's been frustrating at times. I'd be lying if I said it wasn't. When you look at the number 4%, it's just insanely, almost unbelievably low. That needs to change, end quote. And, you know, so like I said, their response was to create Together, which is um, spelled with the together part with an X, the her. Um, so anyway, um, together officially launched at the beginning of March and, um, you know, hopefully it, it 
the plan is to tackle sexism um, and it's focused on offering diversity in all forms and its founding um, foursome serves as just one manifestation of the publication's emphasis on, quote, representation and intersectionality, end quote. And speaking of women in combat sports, I uh, quickly want to mention uh, UFC's first openly lesbian fighter, Amanda Nunes, who um, is also married to a fellow fighter, Nina Ansaroff, um, who won an impressive first round knockout win in like less than two minutes um, recently. And the Lioness, uh, which is her fight name, is arguably the greatest female fighter ever. Uh, that's according to Dana White. And I'm not sure there are too many who would argue with that. Um but what I really love about Amanda is how when people talk about her marketability outside of the ring, she responds with how she doesn't care if she's marketable, that she just cares about being the best fighter on the planet. And I think she's well on her way, if not already there. Um, so I just wanted to kind of highlight her um, as well, her, her accomplishments and just wish her well. And, uh, you know, like I said, combat sports for women doesn't always get the attention it, it deserves. And if you're not like the top person you like definitely don't get much attention so um again representation matters visibility matters and you know what's great about amanda too is like i said she's married to uh, a woman who is also a fellow fighter and they have a daughter uh reagan uh who i think is like you know just some months old maybe like eight months old or whatever and um you know they bring her out after the win and they're very visible and public about their relationship and their family and i think that's great um, so real quick, what else? Um, left Netflix, um, is releasing, they have announced, um, First Kill, which is a, like a teenage vampire movie. Um, basically though, it's two leads, uh, Sarah Catherine Hook and Imani Lewis, um, are set to star as vampires, um, embarking on, well, one of them is not a vampire, the other one is a vampire hunter and they basically fall in love. So um, that should be cute. Like I said, it's a teenage uh, story, but I'm sure a lot of people will fall for it and it will do well, hopefully. Um, anyway, um, what else? Real quick, just wrapping up. So, um, see what else is happening um so ellen let's uh hit on her real quick um so apparently um a nielsen survey recently or you know ratings television ratings report recently um has shown that viewers um are like half of what they were last season for the ellen DeGeneres show um this is obviously uh and result to the multiple allegations um, that she faced last year for running a toxic workplace. And um, as a result, she lost about uh, over a million viewers. Wow. So that, look, cancel culture is real. It's like, you got to be careful what you do out here, what you say, because someone it, like will always come back to you in some way, shape or form. And um, it used to average, it says it's averaging now about 1.5 million viewers when um, this same period last year it averaged about 2.6 million viewers um so yeah that that sucks it's like a 43 percent drop um anyway um but still speaking of ellen and and um her wife so uh portia de rossi was recently 
hospitalized, like an, a, a shock hospitalization um, for an emergency appendicitis. Um, apparently she's all good now, um, but it was like a really scary ordeal. Uh, Ellen joked about it on her show. And she's saying like, um, she, you know, she said that Rossi, Portia de Rossi told her about 7.30 that she wasn't feeling well and she wanted to go to bed. And Ellen was like, you know, it's on eight o'clock. That's early. You know, I, you know, I'm not used to going to bed that early. We usually go to bed around 8.30. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, she obviously was joking, but then she like, she later in the night, you know, looked at Porsche and she saw she just wasn't okay. And then she was like on the, on the floor and on, on all fours. And, um, you know, you rushed her to the hospital. And the sad thing was, it was like, they said she couldn't be there. I didn't really like, elaborate on that. Um, like she got turned away. I don't know if that's because like they weren't married or what. So, um, that sucks. But like I said, everyone's fine now. So boom. Um, and still real quick on Ellen. So Niecy Nash was recently on Ellen and, um, she talked about marrying her husband. Um, I, I like that term, her husband, um, uh, musician, uh, Jessica Betts. So here's a quick soundbite on how she describes her, her, her marriage and, um, her identity now. Yeah, well, I don't know. My daughter, the youngest one, she made me sit down and watch a program. She said, mom, you got to know how you identify. I said, oh, I do? <laughs> and so we watched this whole thing about, you know, and it was a thousand different things you could have called yourself. But when I got through watching it, she was like, well, what are you? I said, confused? Yeah. <laughs> I'm more confused than ever. Yeah. Now, I was like, I don't know. I'm black and I'm your mama. Now go sit down. Yeah. And that was how we ended the conversation. See, that's fair. I'm your mama. Sit down. <laughs> um, anyway, so moving on to some more entertainment news. Um, so... The LGBTQ folks, uh, specifically lesbians, uh, made a great showing at the uh, at this year's Grammy Awards. Uh, lesbian rock singer Brittany Howard, who people might also know from her work with the band Alabama Shakes, won um, a songwriting award for Best Rock Song for Stay High. Uh, and country music, The High Women, won Best Country Song for uh, Crowded Table. Uh, the High Women is a group uh, that includes out lesbian musician Brandi Carlisle, um, who has already won Grammys in the past um, in Americana music categories. Uh, By pop sensation Lady Gaga won Best Pop Duo slash Group Performance for her and Ariana Grande's single Rain On Me. Um, the R&B Song of the Year was Better Than I Imagined by Robert Glasper, which featured artists Her and Michelle Indicello. Uh, apparently, in Michelle Indicello is bi. I wish that she was just gay. I thought she was just a lesbian, but she is bi, according to... LGBTQNation.com. Um, documentarians Rob Epstein and Jeffrey Friedman won Best Music Film for their documentary, um, Linda Ronstadt, The Song of My Voice. Uh, lesbian journalist Rachel Maddow won Best Spoken Word album for the audiobook version of Blowout, Corrupted Democracy, Rogue State Russia, and The Richest, Most Destructive Industry on Earth, which was about oil and gas industry corruption and the Russian interference in the 2016 election. So uh, congratulations to them. Uh, still sticking on the music. So uh, Young M.A. Uh, recently dropped a freestyle track, a whoopty freestyle track called uh, Uvi. And um, she gave uh, Vibe Cartels Gaza uh, a huge salute. Um and you know the nod the nod was welcomed by the Jamaican fan base, but some people were kind of wondering how um what the reaction would be to an open 
like LGBTQ female rapper who prefers not to be labeled, um, repping for his Portmore empire. Um, but the reaction from the incarcerated dance hall artist, um, was unbothered and he, he was actually kind of moved by the recognition from the hip hop star, uh, young MA. Um, uh, apparently he posted on uh, Instagram, I'm in Jamaica speak. He posted on Instagram. He just shouted out first. He quoted the, the song of young and may raps. I'm in Jamaica speaking that Patois, uh, big up to Gaza. Um, and in the caption, he wrote, you know, big up, uh, young and may, uh, real recognized, real Don, you know, Gaza badness. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, I think that, that, that's really great just to, to have that, you know, as people know that Caribbean culture, usually it's men who feel the brunt of it more so than women. So I don't know if that played a role in it, but any positive attention to LGBTQ people from, uh, a group of people who are known to not necessarily be very open is, uh, is always a, a great plus. Here's a quick clip though, from the, um, from the freestyle, just in case you haven't heard it. Smoking at Zaza, got yak in a mata. I'm in Jamaica, speaking at Patwa. Big up to the Gaza. BIP to my blood, a nigga fly high. Throw them bees up sky high. And up next, a chat with Jade the Ivy. Boom. Good. So, what are you up to? Um, I, not much, <laughs> just really got, in, just really got in the house and like about to hit the gym, you know, trying to get my, you know, my fitness and things on. So okay. probably write, write some music later. I got a couple ideas I want to get out. So. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I was like, I really like your vibe, your sound and stuff. I was like, I just want to like shoot the shit with you, you know, like I really like your, your whole Steve. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening. No, nah, definitely. Um. So what have you been up to though this past year? Like it's been so messed up for everybody. Like Yeah, I definitely I've definitely been on a hiatus from putting anything out just because it's just been so, like such an uncertain year for artists mm-hmm. and like everybody like you see everybody like all like every artist I know like putting things out and it, it's like it kind of met this pandemic messed up their year you know everybody was set to release music and stuff like that um I released my album Nisha right before the pandemic and like you know was set to do like some performances and like it just kind of like put everything at, at a halt mm-hmm. so um I've been writing, like I have, you know, things in the works and things set to release for sure. But um, I'm just waiting for the right time to ramp back up, you know? So. Yeah, definitely. So has it, has it affected your creative process? I mean, you said you're, you're writing, but like, do you feel, I don't know, stifled a little bit? Just- I do. Um, because normally like I create with my band. Um, I have a, I have a band or whatever. We always like, you know, get together and we jam out on ideas and, you know, that's how we come up. That's our creative process. You know, we'll go through a jam session and, you know, I'll start writing in the middle of a jam session. And then by the end of it, I got, I got my song, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, it def- I haven't been able to link up with them. A couple of them, a couple of my band members got COVID. I'm glad they were able to push through. Um, but, you know, the rehearsal spaces and things like that just kind of came to a halt as well. So um, I haven't, <laughs> it definitely affected me for sure. Yeah, definitely. I um, Just real quick side note, cause you mentioned it. I'm, I'm, I have this like strange, uh, I don't know, obsession, like with anyone I come across who either has had COVID or 
like know someone close to them who has had it, I'm always like, what were the what were their symptoms and like what was it like for them? You know, I mean, I'm just like curious for everyone's experience that has like had COVID. So how are your band members? Um, everybody who I've come across who who has had it, they say that like their their taste and their smell. Like that's the that's the number one thing. Yeah. The taste and their smell comes and goes. Um, a few people said their memory comes and goes as well. Like they're having really? like problems with memory loss. Wow. Um, so like those are the main three things: taste, smell, and memory loss. And so it's like, ooh. <laughs> so no one's had like any of the like the severe symptoms because I'm like people have been dying from it. So I always I'm always like, what did you experience? And I always hear like mild things, you know. So yeah. I'm like, what is this? severity of it you know what i mean like you that you hear but i keep trying to like not that i wish that on anyone but you know it's like i'm just, i'm just like what i don't know okay i, oh, I got you I'm, I'm we're back we're back oh oh i thought it was me i was like what happened <laughs> no i i, I um but um my well at the beginning of the pandemic, my family had got it. And theirs was really severe, like, especially, like, uh, my stepdad. Um, he had, like, the whole package. He had the fever, the chills, the shakes, couldn't breathe, you know, um, couldn't smell, couldn't taste or anything. Like, he was kind of, like, bedridden, you know, at least, like, you know, my mom and, like, the rest of my family ever getting up, moving around, you know, throughout their, throughout the course of the illness. But, yeah, like, my stepdad, he had the severe, severe case of it. Um, mm-hmm. But they all pushed through. Um, I would drop, Good. you know, <laughs> hot, spicy, like herbs, you know, hot, spicy soup, you know, some her- herbal teas and stuff like that, you know, natural vitamins and stuff by the kind of like speed up their recovery process. And they did help, you know, and then, they, you know, they kept it up to kind of regain, you know, their senses back. But um, yeah, that 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 scared me. Cause it was like the beginning of the pandemic and you know it was like oh we got all the symptoms so yeah yeah how did you manage to not get caught up <laughs> um I stayed in my house <laughs> I stayed in my house I was like okay well <laughs> looks like I'm staying in the house you know um I did go out for like bike rides every day but it was yeah. like you know those, you know I, it was on away a trail. Yeah. Yeah, it was away from people. I kept my mask on. Like, you know, that that was yeah. that was interesting, like working out with a mask, you know, never having to do that before. <laughs> so um, but I mean, you know, it definitely like built up my breathing and my stamina for sure. Um but uh yeah, that that's how I, I managed. Like only time I went out was like for a bike ride. But I stayed in the house. <laughs> I avoided people. So things are kind of opening up a little bit. Do you foresee any performances or, you know, things for you in the near future? Or do you think you're kind of still um, got to wait out some? I feel like as things are opening up, because I feel like I'm in the stage, like and I, I go back and forth with this. I'm in a stage where we can't stay in the house forever. Yeah. so like eventually yeah. we have to go out there no matter what like you have to like your jobs are going to open back up etc cetera, etc cetera. like like life is going to continue so with that being said like I, I do plan on performing I probably like wait a little bit and just you know do the online like at home performances yeah you know like you know kind of slowly sticking my toe into this you know so mm-hmm. yeah 
<sighs> hopefully I do miss performing though. Hopefully like we could like get back to it, but I, I miss performing with the band and I miss jamming out and jamming, you know, to the energy of the crowd and stuff like that. So. Yeah. And you, you released uh, just a thought though over the summer. Yes. Was that, was that new then or was that something like you had? You that know, was or... new then I had, I wrote it and then I recorded it and then I released it. I think that took me like three days to like complete that whole process. <laughs> well, that's dope. You had some creativity flowing through you didn't know, so that's cool. Yeah, I mean, the creativity, the creativity, like it never left, but it just like how to get it out. I guess the strategy oh, yeah. of it all. So yeah. like that's, and that's what I've been kind of stuck up on, like how to get it out, how to like market. Cause like, you know, you know, the algorithms were all over the place cause you know, everybody <laughs> was in the house and, you know, I was just like, I don't know how to get this out past a certain amount of people, you know? So. Seriously though. Yeah. Like, seriously. Yeah. Seriously. Who are you singing about in uh, Just a Thought? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, you know, just a you thought know, or whatever. Oh man. Um, you know, just muses, you know, certain situations you go through or whatever. So 
I'll um, leave it at that. <laughs> I don't want nobody coming back to me for uh, rights and royalties. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so, are you single or relationship? What's your status like? I am currently unavailable. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta tell us about it. I mean. <laughs> right now, I am currently unavailable. And that's all I'll say at the moment. <laughs> well, is this new? Is it been long term? How's it going? Can, can you tell us? <laughs> <laughs> I've been unavailable. Um, okay, okay, so I'm currently unavailable. I've been unavailable for some months. I'll leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> well, how's this going though? You, you, it's, uh... it's going pretty good. It's going pretty good. But I mean, like in the because my because my follow up to that was either if you were single, how was it being single and stuck in COVID quarantine isolation? Yeah, <laughs> like in COVID, and then it was like, well, and then how was it being in a relationship in in COVID? You know what I mean? Like, because I feel like those are like opposite. Okay. <laughs> okay, I can an- I can answer. That. Okay, so okay. being single in COVID is weird because it's like everybody. It, it just felt. I, I don't know. Uh, I feel like I might be telling my age, but um, okay. I remember the days of downlink. Oh, yeah. Yes. It felt like just being in the downlink chat room. It felt like <laughs> it felt so nostalgic because everybody was at everybody was at the crib. Everybody was, you know, talking to somebody yeah. online. Like it just took us back to that, you know, because yeah. nobody was outside. You know what I'm saying? You couldn't like really interact with nobody. And you like everybody was virtually dating. Like everybody was like sitting at their dinner table with a glass of wine <laughs> you know what I'm saying so like that was that was different like the virtual parties and like the virtual dance parties and stuff like that so it, it just took me back to the days of downlink now dating and oh, no, hold on hold on hold on real quick real quick real quick mm-hmm. I, I, I have to admit I, I haven't attended any of the virtual dance parties mm-hmm. please please share this experience with me um so shout out to my to my homies um to my homie Jay um, in the small world collective fam so uh they they were they threw they they throw parties um small yeah. world collective for women mm-hmm. and their buddies um and they threw a be- at the beginning of quarantine they were throwing virtual dance parties like just virtual parties and like right. everybody would be in there you know like you know my homie jay being there like getting it killing it and it would just be a virtual party <laughs> so it was it was dope it was dope and i you know just kind of like bringing that feeling of community you know back yeah. during during the times so yeah so it was cool. i always see them and i'm always like oh i'm gonna do it and then i like, always miss them like damn I'm like, man i'm just yeah like, yeah you like, gotta you know like, yeah yeah they're, they're, they're on it they out man yes <laughs> that's 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 the fam that's fam so <laughs> but okay then so the other part the relationship covid okay so dating in covid it was it was mm. scary because you know you're just coming out of your house right and you gotta like <laughs> actually like, you gotta get past the computer screen you gotta get past the text and the phone calls and like you know actually coming out to your house and like you know you know dating and interacting and like oh i have to take my mask off you know so that was that um it definitely forces you to get creative I'm a creative person and I love to like I'm probably like telling on myself now but like I like to get creative with my dates (laughs) (laughs) 
I've always been this person though. Like I've always done, like I've always liked picnics and stuff like that. And yeah, um, you know, I cook or whatever, you know. So, um, you know, create a little picnic or something like that. And, you know, you go outside, you know, outside, not like in like inside outside, but you like <laughs> go to the picnic outside and you know cook a little something and you know get to know that person. Yeah, see where it goes. So, yeah, <laughs> you can do that. I I, I did do that. So. Oh. Yeah, like, you know, just dating, you know. That's how I managed to date during uh Oh, I see, I see, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Well that's that is good though. Yeah. So and and that's that's the current situation. (laughs) (laughs) No say, no say. (laughs) Like you know we're gonna try to get it out. I know you try. I know. So look, I I saw something that said like you're you released like your, I guess your first full or official project in 2017, but then I saw, now I don't remember what song it was, but it was like older than that. So I was trying to figure out when, when did you first like really start, start music? Yeah. Um, like serious, like taking like, okay, I'm, let me do this for real. Okay. So in 2011 is when I started like officially doing music. Like I met my mentor, his name is Sean Boyd. Um, and like I came to him as a photographer and I was like, you know, I, I want he he's like he has like programs and stuff he gives like people. So I was like, OK, well, you know, I want, you know, Adobe Photoshop and like I, a music, a music program. And he was like, oh, you do music. And I was like, you know, I write a little poetry or whatever from time to time. And, you know, he was like, all right, cool. Well, spit something. And, you know, I was like, uh, OK, so, <laughs> And I like you know recited a poem that I had wrote or the piece that I wrote, and he was oh, like, "Okay, well, yeah, sure, we like to hear it." <laughs> I don't even remember. It was like I, that was twenty eleven. I, I don't even know what I what I right what I recited, but um, he was what did he, he's like you should rap, and I was like, "Yeah, okay," and then like he really like invested the time. He was like, "Okay, here's some beats, you know, you know, write." write to these and we'll get we'll get your first project going and that's how we all <laughs> that's, that's where it all started and you know I started writing and I put together my first mixtape Midnight Radio um, that's available on SoundCloud um, and that was in 2011 um, and then like I just took time to like perfect my craft I took time to get a band together and that was that was definitely a, a process for sure. Um, when I tell people about the process, they compare it to like James Brown, right? Because I don't really know, I don't I don't know or speak the language of musician, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I can't tell you what key to play and I can't tell you what notes. Yeah. So I would beatbox to them and like <laughs> hum to them. <laughs> They're looking at me like, "What the hell? We're just gonna." we're gonna see where this goes and like right. you know what I'm saying so they're just like okay cool so like I'm literally like communicating like James Brown I need it indeed <laughs> you know just beatboxing <laughs> to them and they're just like oh okay <laughs> so you know they you know they're just like okay this is what she wants us to do she wants to do this this and this like basically translating my crazy ideas so yeah, yeah I mean and just you know that's kind of how euphoric wasteland came about um you know just had 
I listen to a lot of like Isley Brothers. I listen to a lot of like, you know, old school, like funk music, mm. um, you know, a lot of old school soul. And, you know, that's that's where I was in my <laughs> at that point in my life too, just like the content I was writing about. So I was like, okay, cool. And we put it out for <laughs> <Before laughs> Quaisland. So that's how that came about. And um last year I released Nisha, which is kind of like a like me getting stuff off my chest, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So look, so we just spanned about like a 10 year span, right? From 2011 and now 2021. Yeah. How how would you say your sound has changed from you know, then to now, if at all, like that you feel, but what what would you say is the most prevalent? Um, I feel like 2017 was very pivotal, right? Because like I <laughs> just the band piece, right? Like I never thought, like I always knew I wanted a band. Everybody wants a band, right? But like right. actually putting in work with a band, you know, that takes work. You know, especially like I, I'm the type of person like I work. I, I'm used to working alone, right? Mm-hmm. So like you have to like, <laughs> you know, get to know your member, get to know your band members, get to know your bandmates, and you know, become a team. And you know, people play differently. You know what I'm saying? And so like that that was pivotal for me, um, and actually completing it because a lot of people like start projects like that but never see it through. So, like, the fact when I saw that, when it was done, I was like, we're done. We're done. I think we're done. Because, like, I I wouldn't stop till I heard what I wanted to hear. I didn't stop until, you know, my project was how I wanted it to be. You know, like, yeah, like, everybody was like, are we done? How many times, how many takes are you going gonna to do? You know, like, I would, you know, we were recorded. We were, you know, re-record. Like, all the songs went through, like, crazy transitions. Like the first recording of Breaking My Heart is nothing like the last. <laughs> like the first recording was like the skeleton. Uh-huh. Actually, it wasn't even the skeleton. It was like a couple of bones. You had to then like I had to piece together the skeleton. Then I had to feed it and get some meat on it. You know what I'm saying? And then I had to get it dressed. And then I had to walk it out of the house. So um wow. yeah, so that's that's how like that was pivotal. 2017 is when I was like, okay we're doing this mm-hmm. we're doing this so and then like um after after that because like that was kind of like my performance like that was my performance right that was me like Jay the entertainer but um Nisha kind of forced me to get back on my pen game you know uh, yeah yeah so uh, I'm 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 excited to share <laughs> my next project <laughs> Oh, that's what's that's what's up. I and so do do you have exclusive that we're gonna be able to play on the show? Or? Um, I think I got something I might be able to play for y'all. So I've been I've been quietly releasing music. I don't. <laughs> I guess I'm telling on myself here. I've been quietly releasing music on SoundCloud uh-huh. throughout the quarantine. Like I just drop something on SoundCloud. Yeah. Like I won't. I haven't really been promoting it because of you know algorithms or whatever. But I've been quietly yeah. releasing things on SoundCloud. <laughs> if you see it you see it yeah it's, it's been like if you see it you like let's see who's paying attention so yeah um I, I have gotten some good feedback about it for sure so um I think I think I, I think I could share something with you <laughs> good 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 because I, I want to play it in there if we can 
well, that concludes episode 25. As always, thanks for listening. Love yourself and love others. Until next time.